Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Globe in the Garden, a podcast about the state of world language education in the state of New Jersey. I'm Julia Koch, and I am your host, as well as the Vice President of Advocacy and Outreach for Foreign Language Educators of New Jersey, also known as Flinch. Today's episode is an interview with Flinch President Alice Ennis Simonson. Enjoy. Right. Welcome, everyone, to our first episode of The Globe in the Garden, State of World Language in the State of New Jersey. I'm really proud of that title. I just want you to know, Alice, I worked for a long time coming up with that, you know, like putting all of the permutations of like words about language and flowers and stuff like that together. So I'm very excited that that's what we landed on. I love it. Yes. And true to form, we will be ending each of our podcasts with a question about flowers because, you know, I had to really like, you know, we're language teachers. You got to make that theme just like carry all the way through. So we're going to go with that. So welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for viewing us on YouTube and listening to our podcast. We are here this morning with Flange President Alice Ennis Simonson. Alice, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julia, for putting this together. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I think this is going to be a really cool opportunity for people to, you know, get more, like, get to know people who are on our board and people who are, like, really doing some cool things with language education and policy in the state of New Jersey and also kind of know what Flinch can offer them and what resources there might be for them to do cool things that they wouldn't have known about before. So it only felt right to start with you since you are the Aww. primary <laughs> mover and shaker. So, <laughs> so would you, you. <laughs> would you mind um, telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what you do and that kind of thing? Well, I think I would describe myself as wearing many hats, probably maybe too many hats. <laughs> um, let's see. A uh, 25-year veteran high school teacher at the Regional High School. Yeah, 25 years. I just finished this year there. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, French, uh, Spanish, and ELL. Okay. So uh, wonderful uh, experience. You know, as students I get to, to meet every day. Uh, also, another hat, um, I think about 15 years, I've been an assistant at our, the local university, Monmouth University, and most recently now uh, teaching as an adjunct level there uh, for the French. So that's really exciting. So I get to see the continuum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then with my school, it's really been fun because I've got to see uh, the international program grow there. And I am the international program coordinator there. So I help with uh, J1 and F1 students that get to come into our school. And I also uh, facilitate a program that I started called Global Gab there, where students get to gab about uh, their culture, their language, their experience, um, wherever they are from. So that's been really a standing room only event. And that's been fun to facilitate. Oh, gosh, many more hats. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, wife to an amazing husband, mother to three fabulous daughters that I'm blessed to um, call um, my daughters and them call me mom. Uh, a big reader, camper, creator. I'm actually also a costume designer. That's so cool. <laughs> One of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, some crazy costumes over the years um, that I've usually have like some sort of connection to language learning or French language learning. Um, 
I think my first year I walked around the school as Quasimodo. No one knew who I was. I scared everyone. I think my superintendent (laughs) wanted to fire me right away. But here I am 25 years later. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so um, lots of hats. And And now Blanche president. So, you know, we'll just just pile that hat on top of all of the other hats that are already there. That's Actually, I meant to have the hat that, uh, oh, that yes, we all got as fancy board. board and I, hat. I know. I meant to bring it with me today to this uh, recording, but I forgot. Darn it. That's oh, well. Missed we'll opportunity. post a picture of you later. No worries. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Now everyone's going to be like, oh, I've got to see that hat. So no worries, everyone. We'll post a picture on social media later. So how did you end up with your most recent you know, your most recent hat, like what, how did you kind of get introduced to Flenge and then get, uh, you know, the opportunity to be on the Flenge board? Like, how did that happen? Oh, gosh. Well, um, first, first of all, Flenge and AATF became a part of my professional life very early on when I was still studying at uh, Douglas College, Rutgers University. Um, and I joined uh, at that point, I think my senior year, uh, or at least when I was doing my uh, student teaching, so um, uh, 26 years ago, <laughs> and uh, it was really it became super important for me. Certainly uh, in 1995, when I was the singleton uh, French teacher in my school, just to really not that I didn't have other language folks to sort of put ideas off of, but I was kind of the newbie in the department and I was wanting to do things in a newbie way and it was hard to do it when other folks had their way and it maybe wasn't. Um, So it was good to get the support of Flinge (laughs) and um, to come, you know, always going to the annual conference, uh, always attending the workshop series um, and then certainly always in awe of like, they, they were like, you know, all the folks that were Flinge, I would see them, you know, walking around with their badges and they just had this, I don't know, it was aura, like it was like famous, like all of these famous <laughs> folks. And come to like find out is that really, bizarrely enough, whether it was just sort of how, where I was putting myself, like so many of the past presidents, like I have had, I worked with, like oh, Sherry Quinlan, wow. I attended workshops of hers in Tom's River. Um, I actually was a student. I took Spanish with uh, Dr. Lopez Diaz at NJCU. Oh, wow. I even traveled with her to the DR for a course that she created there. Um, I took an ed tech course uh, in world language education with Martin Smith at Rutgers University. Okay. And then it was so funny because as I was reflecting about this, Roseanne Zipieri reminded me that it must have been like super early on in my career. I was attending an AATF conference down in Philly, and I guess I hadn't booked a hotel room, and I crashed on her hotel room floor because <laughs> her. So like it's so sort of funny. And now certainly working, having worked under uh, Chris Gwynn brought me onto the board, yeah. and then having worked under Amanda Seawald and Frank Ruggiero, like. It's just sort of weird, those connections, the six degrees of things that sort of happen. So uh, the whole how I actually got here other than that, um, actually, uh, it was um, Marie-Laure Hoffman, who is uh, uh, co-president of AATF New Jersey, had been on the board and was also looking 
to leave and knew that I was involved certainly with AATF and with Slenge and said, you know, Alice, you'd be great. So I think she sort of was the entree for me um, as far as uh, being a part of the board. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's one of the cool things. You know, I didn't grow up in New Jersey. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So it wasn't until I moved to New Jersey that I really started making connections. And I continue to be amazed, you know, eight, nine years later about how everybody knows everybody. Like, it's the coolest thing because it's like, oh, I met this wonderful person. And then I realized, you know, two years later that they're like the spouse of whatever. At one time I ran into you in the elevator at the Flinch conference, had no idea who you were. You were so nice. You like invited me to a dinner that night or something like asked me all about myself. And then I got off the elevator and someone was like, you know, that was Alice Simonson, right? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> what? Like, I have no idea. So it's just so cool because like, you meet these people and everybody's so kind and warm and wonderful and like, how can I help you? And then two and a half months later, three years later, you're like, oh, that's who that person is. It's such a cool thing. It, it really is. It is a special part. And I think it is what makes uh, New Jersey world language education one of, there are many special things, but one of them is that really, that conviviality, that wanting to reach out and be connected with each other. It's so true. So I'm curious to know, because, you know, I've never gotten to pick your brain about this. <laughs> the the Flinch, I've been spending a lot of time with the Flinch mission and vision statements recently. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering uh, what your take is on the Flinch mission statement. Like, do, are there is there anything about it that particularly resonates with you? Hmm, good question. And it's so interesting because, honestly, I don't really remember looking at the mission statement until last year when I was working on planning our uh, strategic planning light session that we had last summer. Um, and it was obviously very important to look at that as we're doing any planning and anything really moving forward. But influencing policy and practice to ensure high-quality world language education in New Jersey schools. So for me, what really resonated was the duality of it, so having the the – the policy and then the practice and how also the interdependence of those two and going forward when when we were doing our strategic planning it really you know in really reshaping the organization at tweaking our vp of membership um, to your now new role, VP of Outreach and Advocacy, just made so much sense. The, it was the roadmap was there, but we hadn't seen it by virtue of the sense that we didn't have the um, the systems in place. You know, Flange was had in the past had been working with, uh, you know, mail in mail in your conference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember writing checks and sending them off. Uh, right. You know, now these days, who even uses a check? So. <laughs> The evolution of of Flinge based on this, uh, the policy and practice is really exciting. So I'm super excited to see um, how, you know, I can help you and uh, this to fulfill our mission more effectively with the um, with the new approach in mind. It's so true. And I think that this is a really, it feels to me, not that I have anything to compare it to, because I just joined the board like, what, a year ago, something like that, a year and a half ago. Um, But it seems to me that this is a really cool time to be on the board because, like, there's so much change happening 
and and just like with every other facet of our lives, change happens so much more rapidly than maybe it did in the past. So it's like nothing, nothing stays still. There are constantly opportunities to innovate and to more fully realize, you know, what we're trying to do and look for new, new ways to, to reach people. And I think it's really cool that we're talking about this because that's where the podcast came from. You know, we were like, what's another way that we can engage with, you know, language teachers in the state of New Jersey and let them know what we do and how we're, you know, formed and what our function is and stuff like that, and then how we can be of assistance to them. So speaking of the makeup and function of the plunge board, could you talk <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about, I know, right? I'm really proud of my segues. So, You're very good <laughs> transitioner, Julia. Thank you very much. So I think it would be helpful um, for us to talk a little bit about like the makeup of the flunge board, like how many people we have, um, what positions we have, who does what, that kind of thing. Okay, so well, it's an all volunteer board. That's that's uh, very important to know. And then we are 17 members total. There are seven exec committee members, and then there are 10 directors. And uh, the directors and executive committee members work on various committees. Uh, oftentimes, the executive committee members are in charge of those committees, but not necessarily. So committees such as our awards committee, our mentoring, mentoring fellowship committee for teachers and now also uh, for supervisors, uh, certainly our annual conference committee, our hugest uh, PD event of the year, our summer refresher committee, uh, membership committee, feedback and volunteer committee, uh, advocacy, workshop committee, nominating committee, you know, so um, that division of labor down to all those committees. <laughs> it's so true. So what, um, like, who are the people who sit on the exec board and what exactly do they do? So we have um, Sal, who is Sal Venerio, who is our uh, secretary. Uh, so he's uh, uh, keeping notes for us, certainly at our exec meetings. He's also uh, working on correspondence pieces, also the chair of our uh, summer refresher this year. So, again, many hats yep. uh, in this organization uh, we all have to hold on to and wear. Um, we have Michelle Schreiner. She is our treasurer. So working in all of our accounts and keeping our budget and keeping us uh afloat financially. Uh, we have our two um, VPs. So we have VP of programs. That's Christine Keefe, and she's helping us with all of our programs that we have during the year for professional development, our workshop series, our summer refresher, of course, our annual conference, of which she is co-chair, along with Josephine Serrano. Uh, we also have you, dear, our uh, <laughs> VP of advocacy and outreach. So we're really... It's so excited to be uh, forming that position and really see you uh, put stuff out there. And really, we're so happy so far. And thank you so much for all your hard work. Oh, um, and then we have our past president, Dr. Frank Ruggiero. And we have our president-elect, Derek Sika. And so and you. the don't forget about and you. yes and, <laughs> and yes don't forget uh, that's a line in the song don't you forget about me well done <laughs> musical dun. interlude okay. everyone <laughs> yeah, there you go <laughs> I've always wanted to sing a lot so amazing. there we go check it out <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so just really the 17. Actually, currently right now we are on we're 16, so we are looking for our uh, our 17th uh, member. Um, but certainly, just really a well-oiled team. Everyone ready to step up. Everyone, um, you know, we're humans first. We're uh, partners and family members first, but um, the volunteer work is done uh, out of passion for uh, world language learning. And uh, really, I'm just so grateful to be a part of the team. I really feel like that's what we are. We're a team. And even though there's this hierarchy, at the end of the day, uh, we're all coming together to make um, to make Flange the best it can be for our members. So yeah, uh, really a super, super team. It's awesome. And I have to say, again, not that I have anything to compare it to because I've never sat on a board of directors before, but it's a really cool, um, like, uh, I'm always amazed at the amount of, like, the amount of times that someone, anyone is willing to raise their hand and say, I'll take that on. I'll be happy to help you with that. I'll be like, it's just, it's so cool. There are so many things that we can pull off just because a couple of people who are like, you know what, right now I can dedicate an extra chunk of time to this. Let's make this happen. And, you know, it might be a couple of intense weeks or months of work, but amazing things happen. And it's not necessarily because of where people are in the hierarchy. It's because they say, yeah, I'm happy to take that on in order to make this, you know, this vision that somebody has a reality. Like, that's a really cool thing. You've got somebody who brings a pitch to the board, and inevitably you've got anywhere, you know, two, three, four, five, all 17 of us who are like, yes, let's work together to make this happen. So I just love saying that. It's so cool. It's really inspiring. So It is. It really is. So what are you looking forward to, you know, seeing happen with Flinch? That was a terribly worded question, but I think you know what I mean. Like over the coming months and years, what are you looking forward to seeing Flinch? Yeah, Yeah, looking forward is really an important piece, uh, and that's the vision that we have. So um, I think being good listeners, listening to our members, listening to what's going on and responding as best we can to the needs of our members and what's going on in our profession. Um, I think I am proud, very proud of how we responded initially and speedily in the pandemic with the April Tech Chat series. I think it was a good example of helping our members and beyond, uh, you know, deal with the difficult reality of all of a sudden having to teach virtually. Yeah. Um, I think I'm looking forward to, um, you know, as you just mentioned, you know, really just sort of, you know, having a vision, having a creative idea and seeing where it goes, running pilot programs. We're running the uh, member book club discussions on titles related to racial and social equity in education. Really excited for those conversations. Um and certainly the creative and innovative work that we're trying to do with our first ever virtual summer refresher, um, not coming together in person, but coming together virtually over a period of five days in, in August uh, with Sal as our chair. Um, I think we have a great lineup, you know, 16 PD hours um, folks that attend can get either live or recorded. I think that that's an offering that certainly we've never done. Maybe other organizations are, but we haven't, and it's super exciting for us that we can bring that to our members. Um, 
having a keynote. I don't know if we've ever done that before. We're going to have a keynote this year. Very excited to welcome Dr. Maggie Fall from Rowan University. She's going to be giving a keynote, Reimagining Educational Responsibility, a Vision of World Language Teaching for Equity and Social Change. So really important, important message and looking forward to learning from her. Um, You know, uh, just I'm excited to learn from NJDOE at our workshop at the series uh, in the summer refresher for, uh, you know, kind of giving us a little uh, direction. Um, On those new standards. Yes, yeah. those new standards, absolutely. Um, we have some great sponsored sessions, some so just some great sessions all the way around, and I hope everyone checks those out and comes and joins us either, uh, you know, live or just listens to the recordings at their own leisure. I think it, there's, I know there's going to be so much great learning there that's going to help us really center, hopefully center us in the craziness to come uh, for September. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, oh gosh, just uh, these, these podcasts, Julia, I'm super excited for folks to be able to hear them and watch them. Um, super excited to see what you and your committee are going to do for advocacy work, um, as that's really the backbone of what we're doing here at Flange. Just um, excited, as you, again, for just the possibilities, yeah. uh, uh, the possibilities to do as we always have done, provide quality PD, advocate for our profession, but also then to see where we can go creatively. Um, yeah within within the confines of our finances and within the confines of the folks that are willing to do the work for us. So very excited. It's true. We're really in this cool space of really building our, you know, we talk all the time about like building your teacher toolbox, but I feel like we're really building our, our nonprofit board toolbox, you know, like we're trying all of these new things, some of them born out of, you know, necessity because an in-person summer refresher was just not going to work this year. So we needed to figure out, you know, a, a way to still meet the the professional development needs of teachers, but in a way that didn't require us to gather personally. But now, you know, that like steep learning curve, definitely. But now that's a skill that we're going to have. So that's always going to be an option for us. And I'm yeah. really excited to see what the possibilities are going to be as we move forward. And now we have the choice, like everything that we choose to do, we can decide, do we want it to be in person or do we want, is virtual going to be a better fit for the people that we want to be able to attend and stuff like that. So I, I think the possibilities are going to be like just endless after you know, after we've tried all of these things and see, like, continue to see what works and what doesn't. And I would like to put out, you know, a plea to anyone listening. This is only going to work well if we have feedback from the people who are attending these events. So if there's something that you really like, please let us know. If there's something that doesn't really work for you, let us know that too, because unless we get feedback we're not going to know what things we should keep and what things people really like and what things maybe aren't such a good fit depending on the situation. So we, we definitely would not be able to make all of this work well without the feedback of, of our members. So just put in a plug. Absolutely. So what, you know, now that we're talking about all of these endless possibilities, what would you do if you had unlimited resources? Like, sky in the sky, dream big with me, Alice. What would you do? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I have, 
I have quite a few, um, but I think two, uh, two sort of uh, resonate right off the bat with me. And the first one, you're going to be like, oh, my God, what is, what is this woman thinking? <laughs> I'm ready. And if I had my druthers, actually, this would be my uh, my doctoral thesis. If I could get myself to to go back to school and nerd get my doctorate. I love it. Yeah, nerd alert, nerd alert. <laughs> um, but it's all good. You know, I think I would just really um, – shift the paradigm, you know, I would take all of my high school colleagues, maybe half of them, and we just take our little selves, our pedagogy, our um, building of proficiency, and I would just steer us right down to the elementary schools in New Jersey, public and private, and we would create, you know, just change our whole thing, and but keep the language but just do it to those little kids that we know you know up to 10 years they're going to be sponges the language learning over time the fluency level that they can reach and we'll build we'll build the program so this what we have now of like this cone where there's you know so few kids learning at the age where they really are going to attain that fluency level in such a way that's efficient and um, a lot less painful, <laughs> shall I say. Um, and then, we'll, you know, right now we have that cone where they're mostly in high school learning it. Well, let's switch that just for now so that that cone, the big part of the cone, is at the lower grades, but not keep the cone to point, but really keep it maintained so it ends up being like a, a – um, what is the a geometric form? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, a rectangle going up. Yeah. Um, or so that we can, you know, and then we'll have our, our seal of biliteracy, the eighth grade seal of biliteracy that folks are talking about. We'll have, you know, I know the world language um, standards have really tried to push the age down where they can in New Jersey, the new ones. So yeah. it, the pieces are there. Um, the teachers, we have some. We don't have all of them. Some can't get visas, which is horrible, um, you know, but the ones that are here, you know, we, can we, half of us, can we go down and do that? I am so ready to do that, maybe yeah. just because 25 years, and I love my high school kids, but I just think I could, you know, and I do this for my own daughter. My, uh, We do a program this year, my French students, we did. We developed a little program for, it happened to be for the Girl Scout troops. We were doing uh, French for Girl Scouts, so and cool. we were bringing them in. And, oh, my gosh, they were so lovely, so hungry. And I guess I had not being an early language educator, uh, it was just so refreshing to see that they were so hungry. It was like not like, oh, madame, you know, like, oh, like you oh were like, making me speak French, you know, you were making me speak Spanish. It was uh you know, or English sometimes, it was really, oh, sure, the what, we'll do it, and the pronunciation. So really, yeah. that's, to to do that would be, that's pie in the sky, I don't know, but the science is there. We just, I don't know how to figure it out within the paradigm of what we have. Yeah. And then the other thing is maybe a little bit more uh, possible, and I think we actually talked about it at our strategic planning light, but really, and the model is, is there. I mean, with AATF New Jersey, we try and run at least one event for language learners, French language learners there um, in New Jersey a, a year for the, for the students. So I think I'd really like to see Flinge do more 
certainly we're here for the teachers. We're here for uh, them and the supervisors working for world language education. But really, ultimately, we're doing it for the teachers to help the students. So what right. can we do? What events can we do where we can reach out? Maybe now because of this virtual world that we're living in so much more, maybe we can create some um, some events with the students that are in in the classrooms right now learning what do they want to see more of how can we help them better um, and really hear from them so you know is that really something that is pie in the sky I don't know but certainly it's something that I don't know that we've done a lot of but maybe uh, maybe we can do yeah oh so cool I'm all excited now <laughs> so, so what what about Flinch makes you proudest and I know that there are so many potential answers to this question, but I'm really curious to hear which one you're going to go with. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. I think that it's so funny because Flinch, it's it's people. It's our members. It's our board. It's 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 Flint. You know, it's this ethos. It's the feeling that you get of being supported. It's, it, you know, you just say flinch. You can make it a verb. You can make it a noun. You can make. Are you flinging? You know. Um, so, it, uh, I guess it is as we were talking a little bit about today. It's our adaptability. It's rolling with the punches, um, being a team, supporting each other. Um, and ultimately, uh, what we do to help our members and to help the profession. I think all of that together is, uh, maybe it's a lame answer, but it, it it's really a package deal. Yeah. Flunge is, is in and of itself, uh, something that, and I don't know, maybe I knew back when that somehow I was going to have a bigger role in this organization. Who knows? I feel like I have that sort of sixth sense sometimes. But, um, and you know, and I don't know, and it's not going to be me. It's going to be the team that's going to do it. So that's what I'm excited about and yeah. most proudest of Flinch is that we are a team. Yeah, it's true. And it's hard to separate out one thing because like you said it really is the ethos like it's the adaptability it's the humility to listen to feedback and really use it to grow you know both individually and when it comes to like committees working together and being like okay we got a lot of feedback that this didn't work like the humility works with the adaptability which works with our ability to you know kind of set aside constraints and imagine what could be like it all works together to do the cool things that you know, we have done and have in the pipeline and are still really far off and just a dream at the moment. Like it, it all makes Flange what it is, which is so cool. All right. Last question. And it's our garden question, because again, with this, we are the globe in the garden. So we are. So do you have any memories that involve flowers, Alice? <laughs> I, I do. I have many. And when I was re reflecting on this, um, an, a, sort of an odd one came up, and um, I hope you'll humor me in hearing it. I, um, I guess since we're recording, you're going to let me say it no matter what. So I think I was planning, working with my mom to plan, I think it was maybe uh, a graduation party after my master's, I believe. So we were having an outdoor little party at my parents' home, uh, and we were setting up flowers on the tables for the guests. And I was, I think it was sunflowers, I believe. And so I was putting them in their bouquets and setting them all up. 
And then I, I was proud of my work. And then I remember seeing my mom go back. My mom, I love you, mom, if she ever listens <laughs> to this. And I remember her going back and like re, reorganizing my bouquets. And, and I don't know, something in me, maybe finally I'd had my master. I don't know. I was older. I don't know. But I said, mom, you know, why, why are you doing that? Like I, I just did it. Like yeah. you don't need to do it. And, um, I said, if you want me to do it a certain way, show me, and then I will do it like that. But until I know, and so, and that resonated with her. She said, okay. And she then she told me that, well, you know, Alice, my mom used to remake my bed after I made it, oh. and it was like whew, perspective for me. It was wow. like, okay, so that you know, like we do what we learn, and so I think I thought about this because that's how. And we were just talking about it, the humility. Like, you know what? We have systems in place, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn from them. We can't make models and switch. So that I hope that as a, a leader, as an educational leader, that I can set up models, that I can, um, you know, listen and, you know, change what I can, but not be controlling about it and just be giving a guide and making it a give and a take. So. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that's the humoristic ending that you wanted, but it was really a lesson uh, from my mom and I uh, as far as generational things that we learn from our parents, but um, also just a lesson for life that um, we can model for each other and we can be um, honest and share our past feelings and uh, move forward and learn from it. So that's what I'm hoping that I get to do with Flange. I'm not going to be perfect. Um, but I'm going to do my best and um, and learn from things. Yeah. Well, I have to say it wasn't quite the ending that I was picturing in my head. You know, I was going to go with something more like, you know, one time one of your daughters picked all of, you know, someone's roses or like, you know, something like that. But honestly, Alice, I would have expected nothing less than a beautiful metaphor for education and educational policy at the end of your podcast. <laughs> so we are we are right on brand there. Oh, thanks, Julia. Alice, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me this morning. I'm so excited for everyone to get to know you better and me better and the Flenge board. And I think that this podcast is just going to be a really cool thing that we can offer to world language educators in New Jersey. So thank you for taking the time. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you, Julia. Thank you for everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Globe in the Garden, a Flinch production. To stay up to date on future episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcatcher and on the Flinch YouTube channel. Intro and outro music is Little Idea by Scott Holmes. I'm Julia Koch. See you next time.